Welcome to the Rhett Dillingham Podcast Show. I hope you're encouraged, inspired, and helped. Now let's dive right in. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Rhett Dillingham Podcast Show. That name is still... Uh, we're just, just trying to figure out the exact name for the podcast show. So if any, any listeners out there have any suggestions, we have a few things uh, coming in already anyways. But today on my podcast, I am so thankful to have my dad, my brother, and my grandpa with me. Um, so if you guys will say hello, uh, welcome to the podcast. What's up? What's going on? Hey, greetings. There it is. So I want to start out, uh, obviously, I want to start out with my dad first. Um, dad, if you could just uh, start out a little bit telling about yourself. Uh, my dad is the pastor of First Apostolic Church in Toledo, um, and just kind of giving an intro of who you are. So I'm the pastor of First Apostolic Church of Toledo. <laughs> <laughs> we just heard. Um, that's pretty much all I was going to say, so I don't know I'm anything else that, no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, yeah, so uh, husband, dad, I got three awesome kids, one of them hosting a podcast. That's pretty cool. Um, I am uh, a diehard, diehard Cub fan. Hopefully we'll be able to get into baseball discussion today and talk about how that I think that the Cardinals should just have to forfeit the rest of their games. I think that's only fair. Um, so we, we, we we can talk about that later. Um, I'm a I'm a golf fanatic, although I'm I'm in the middle of major turmoil because I'm trying to change my swing and I really stink right now. So I'm I'm Don't we frustrated all? by that. And uh, so yeah, so I will I will say this because you kind of inferred beforehand you might not mention this, but my brother and I did launch a podcast called the Dillingham Group Podcast, and uh, talking about creating a multiplication culture in a church and being disciple makers and doing all that. So yeah, just, uh, just got a lot going on, a lot happening. Definitely. And where can they find that podcast? Anywhere, anywhere you can, uh, uh, listen to podcasts. It's on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, should be up on iHeart and, uh, Google podcasts soon, hopefully. Um, or you can go to Buzzsprout. Um, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, just search the Dillingham Group. Um, and we also have a website, the dillinghamgroup.org. The Dillingham Group podcast, uh, go check it out. Uh, it's going to be awesome. They got some great content on there. If, if you have not listened to it yet, go check that out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And then next we have my brother. Um, this dude's beast. Um, love this guy. He's, he's awesome. So Reese, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us what's going on in your life. Yeah, first things first, just bought a car. So that's uh, finalized that this morning. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, uh, going back to the podcast, I am editing and uh, helping out with some of the promotional aspects of um, the Mobilized Church podcast by the Dillingham Group, um, like we talked about. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And then um, uh, basically here, just helping at the church. Um, I work for an audiologist doing... Uh, hearing tests at factories, um, like high noise factories and stuff like that. I test all the employees, uh, make sure they're not going deaf and all that fun stuff. And then, uh, like I mentioned, working at the church, uh, you know, music, uh, sound, uh, media, all of how the long above. Have, how long have you been playing the drums? 
uh, eight ish years, somewhere eight around ish there. Eight ish years. Wow. Eight ish. Yes. That's pretty eight-ish. awesome. Eight ish. <laughs> right. <laughs> Getting up there. Still not good though. It's okay. That's <laughs> okay. It's just <laughs> learning every day, right? That's what that's Correct. what the goal is. So Correct. that's awesome. And I mean, it's very involved with the church and everything going on there. And, and another reason you will kind of see, like I, I brought certain people on here, obviously, because, you know, they're my family and they're awesome, but they have some pretty good insight about all this podcast stuff and the things we're going to be talking about. So awesome. And then last but not least, uh, and if the greatest probably on this podcast, um, <laughs> my grandpa, uh, Brother Rogers, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, it's good to be with you all and the greatest of age. Is that what you really meant? <laughs> uh, Definitely and, not. Uh, though I don't have an official podcast, I'm on the air all the time. All right. <laughs> so, uh, you need one. Yeah, that's right. Well, we live in Urbana, Illinois. My wife, Brenda, will be married 48 years in December. And, um, you know, we're just living the dream. Uh, we're doing our dream job. I'm a pastor now for 37 years, uh, founder of Apostolic Life, and also the executive director of Lifeline Connect, a residential recovery center for men in Urbana. And uh, I have two daughters, two great son-in-laws, and four awesome grandchildren. So um, I'm just a thankful man. Thanks for inviting me in. There you go. And welcome to the podcast. And we're so uh, thankful that you're here. Um, and eventually through this podcast, we're going to get to some things talking about uh, Lifeline Connect and your involvement and the starting up of all that and different things. Um, so thank you guys again for joining the podcast. Um, I, again, I'm so excited because I feel like each of you can give a different perspective on some of these topics that we're going to talk about today. Um, and and um, on the overall spectrum, we're going to talk about specific things, but really just talking about um, everything going on right now. Um, I, the reason I started this podcast is I wanted to give a biblical perspective um, from different people and, and different positions in life. Um, and so, uh, again, I'm just super thankful that you guys are here. So, um, so first off, I kind of, I, I don't want to stay on this topic too long, Um obviously, because I feel like a ton of people are talking about this, and um, it just is what it is, but I want to get each of your perspectives on COVID-19, or I guess COVID-2020 in a sense. Um, you know, first off, I, or, uh, you know, I, w- I want to get a uh, perspective, obviously, from my dad and my grandpa, because they're both pastors, and they can kind of give a little insight, maybe um, from, you know, a, a pastor perspective, um, but I also just kind of want to make conversation about it and and talk about the fact that, you know, this has been something that is absolutely crazy and something that the world has never seen. So, um, you know, uh, let's I've, let's go to uh, my grandpa first. Um, you know, what what was your first reaction when you heard about this COVID thing? Well, to be honest with you, I thought it was going to pass, you know, in a few months time after the quote unquote flu season. Um, you know, I made that prediction, you know, after three or four months, this thing will be a a non-factor. Obviously, I was wrong. And uh, COVID has caused real havoc in the the world. And uh, Brenda and I personally have lost five um, personal acquaintances to COVID. 
Wow. So it's, you know, it's been really real. It's uh, changed uh, the structure and the calendar of uh, the ministries of the church and the recovery ministry. And really it's changed our social life. We were just talking about this yesterday. Right. Now. You know, it, it just has really shut down a lot of our social interaction. So it's been the year of adjustments and, um, you know, changing the way we do work and play. And I think, yeah. Rhett, you mentioned it. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. Right. No, and I, you know, it's definitely, I, I, the thing that jumped out to me about what you said is, especially the, the culture changing. Um, I think it's something, you know, uh, I had talked to many people about this, but, you know, when you start hearing maybe, maybe older people that went through the depression or World War II or something crazy, and they start talking about how this is equivalent to those things, if not worse at, in some aspects. Um, and it's just, it's just crazy how something, it almost seemed like in my perspective, um, within a few weeks, like it was just like a whole different world that we were living in, you know? Um, Dan and Reese, um, you know, what, what do you guys think and, and your perspective when you guys first heard about this? Reese, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Save the best for last. Let you just put the nail in the coffin. No, I'm just right. going to repeat everything you guys said. It'll just be, <laughs> you guys are going to take all the good answers. <laughs> Man, you know, so so let's 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 go to like right at the heart of some of these issues, right? Let's let's talk about some of the difficult things. Um, so, like like Pawpaw said, that's what we call him. So he's yes. he's now officially you can refer to him as Pawpaw. <laughs> um, right um it's obviously a very real thing but there there are there are certain it certainly has become one of the most divisive issues you know that i can remember in a really long time you have you have people you know from a pastor standpoint you have people on either side of the issue you have people that you know if you do have church people think that you don't care and don't you're not concerned about the well-being of people if you don't have church and you do online then you have people that think that you're cowering and you're you know you're a sissy and you're not you're not you know bless god you not let the government tell us what to do and that kind of deal and so it certainly has been an extremely polarizing issue um and so many i mean you going down the line i you know i wanted to i wanted to kind of just get the pulse the other day and i made a post on facebook about the hydroxychloroquine debate and conversation and discussion literally within like 20 minutes i had about 60 comments and i mean it just it just blew up because you have some very very strong opinions on either side it's the whole issue has been politicized in a lot of ways um you know it's it's and you just have some really strong opinions there certainly it's a real situation it's a real deal people people have lost their lives they've lost loved ones um, you know, recently there was a, a, a pastor, he and his wife passed within a couple of days of each other. So I don't think there's anybody that would suggest that it's not legit, that it's not a real risk and it's not right. a real thing. On the flip side of that, y'all, the, the reality is we, we have faced things like this in the past. We have, we, we face risks all the time and finding out you know, it's, it's, it's weird to me. I don't really know what was so different about this that required and mandated 
you know, complete lockdown, quarantine, shut everything down. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know with the um, treatments, the, the, the medicine that's available and all that kind of stuff. There's just so many questions. It's made it uh, a bad deal. And, and, then, um, and then one other thing I just mentioned real quick is you have all the other factors you've got. You know, the other day I read an article talking about suicide rates are so high because there's loneliness and people mm-hmm. being locked up and all that. And so, right. you know, certainly, certainly, man, it is a, it is a raging machine and it is, it's caused people, um, you know, it's a lot of people deal, dealing with so much anxiety, so much fear right. and worry and concern and anger and frustration and whatever and and so if we don't get some things figured out soon on on how we're doing with going to deal with stuff like this right right um it's going to have in my opinion it's going to have beyond just the physical ramifications of the virus it's going to have significant impacts on our culture going forward for sure and that it, i love that perspective and i think that's that's quite a way to look at it because it's definitely impacting many people very psychologically mentally and, and in different aspects too. Reese, I want to get your opinion on, I guess, a younger person, young person, you know, we're very social. You know, I'm young offended people. by that. I don't know about anybody. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm offended. As a, I'm going, sorry, we gave you the elder perspective. Now we need a younger perspective. Not, not exactly what was going on there. I just Whatever. want to get everyone's perspective. Anyways, but you know, like, you know, we have a lot of friends and we hang out with people, we go and socialize. We all socialize. Let me, let me, throw that broad thing out there whatever age you are but as a young person you know uh very involved with with youth and different things you know what what has been your perspective in the way that dad has mentioned that culture has kind of changed out of this well i mean i think for me it's kind of different um so i was at the church almost every day trying to work on our new live stream stuff like that um but in general you know not having work all of a sudden um you know i worked uh, a few hours a day from home, like two to three hours a day. Um, some days I didn't work at all. Um, but as a broke college kid, that can be, you know, pretty devastating, especially with a car that, you know, you don't know how long it's going to make it. You're trying to save up. And, you know, I'm repping the, uh, the Brazil jersey today, Sao you Paulo. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd just nice. gotten back from Brazil last year in June. Uh, had a few things come up and I, you know, I, I worked, started, or started working at a, a retail store not making too much money. And so, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to save a whole lot, went right into college. Um, so finally got this new job, starting getting paid, starting to get paid more. And next thing I know, within a month of being hired there, it's all shut down. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's hard in that aspect, the financial aspect to start saving um, as, you know, a 20 year old, anywhere from 18 to, you know, however old um, those paychecks are, especially in college, those paychecks are really vital. Uh, socially, um, you know, I went from hanging out with a lot of people on a weekly basis to is pretty much you, John and Alyssa. So like I, you know, it really, you know, for the first little bit, it was like, okay, this is fine. And then after a few weeks, it was like, okay, I just want to strangle you all because I haven't been able to see anyone else. Correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, I was lucky to be able to get out of the house. I wasn't on complete quarantine, but I was pretty much in the sound room at all times with with you three so yeah um i mean it was it was definitely hard and i'm kind of an introvert so that social aspect um it can kind of shift i'm like 49 percent introverted and like 51 percent extroverted so depending on the day it could 
completely right. changed. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it definitely was hard in that aspect. So, right. No, and I, I think that's been a big thing for even people maybe, you know, cause yes, we, we have known people that have had it and we, you know, certain people that we are acquainted with or whatever. Um, but then at the same time, like a lot of it, you know, we're sitting at home or sitting at our job. Thankfully, I was able to uh, continue my job and continue working uh, through all this, which has been, you know, I've been very blessed and thankful for that. Um, but, you know, like more than, uh, you know, socially awkward and, and people not getting there, you know, I, I kind of want to shift the conversation to now of like, you know, I was, this is probably a month and a half ago, maybe something like that. And I want to give a shout out to the, I think it's the Southwest Texas Youth Conference they have around there and uh, around Houston or something, something like that. Um, I listened to a message by Mark Brown and, uh, you know, it, it was, a, it was a great message overall, but the, the challenging part of the message was, um, and we all hear this all the time. We all hear this deal about you know, get off of social media, get off watching the news, like, you know, all that stuff. And, but the thing that he really challenged us was like, you need to not just get off the news and get off all that stuff, whatever, you need to tap into what God's doing, even in this crazy COVID thing. Cause like my personal opinion on this, this whole COVID thing is I, I feel like a lot of it has been portrayed like to, to mess with people's minds, like through the media and, and just try to scare people and try to mess up everyone's lives and in some aspect, you know, and it just kind of brought a perspective of, you know, we need to also tap into what God's doing uh, right in the middle of this COVID as terrible as this looks in, in the culture and different things. And it just, uh, it just hit me very hard. I don't know if anyone has anything to say off, off of that, but like God is doing a ton of things in this COVID thing. Oh, absolutely, man. 100%. And that's where, you know, I, one of the one of the things we've talked about is everybody's talking about, oh, man, you know, the church is outside the church because we went online. But just because you go online doesn't mean you're outside the church. Everybody, it's funny because everybody's like, man, we had 3,000 viewers on Facebook Live. And then when you dig into it, like 2,800 of them watch for three seconds. And yeah. so, <laughs> like, that's not exactly, that's not exactly reaching. Um so yeah, certainly I think it, but, but, but I do think it has, you know, what we told our church was, I think it's given us a, it's recalibrated the value of our gatherings, you know? So, right. it, so we were thankful, more thankful for the opportunities we have to come to church, to come to, uh, to gather with the church in worship. Um, but then also it's been a challenge of, you know, how do we, how do we live on mission every day? And, Right. And through it all, I mean, through it all, one of the, you know, not, not COVID related, but right in the middle of COVID, you know, if we want to just go right after the issues of the day, right in the middle of COVID, you've got the, the George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter, racial protests, you know, all of those things just, just going on right in the middle of it. And, you know, the bottom line is our world is in turmoil. And, you know, one of the, one of the laws of like wealth, and wealthy people, they'll tell you, is when everybody else is selling, wealthy people buy. Yeah. And as a church, I think it, we ought to look at it and be like, look, man, when everybody else is freaking out and going crazy and, you know, thinking the world is over, that's the time where the church needs to step up and say, now's our moment, now's our time. And there's right. tremendous opportunity in that for sure. Definitely. And uh, Paul, I know your, your guys' church, uh, 
they were kind of, it was hit pretty hard. Um, and, you know, what, what was kind of your view uh, with, you know, as far as the church and a lot of people getting it and, and how it affected your congregation? Well, you know, we shut down back in the second week of March when everything first broke loose. And then uh, we, we reopened to a certain extent some of the ministries and in-person services. And it was all going really well. And still we had um, uh, a lot of movement, you know, when the summer hit, a lot of people were on vacations coming back from various states. And that's when it seemed to uh, affect members of the church. So we immediately shut down and, um, you know, we're getting, we're getting ready to try to resume some in-person stuff uh, here in the near future. Um, but I think the whole situation has caused us to do a couple things and that is to step back and look at uh, how we do church anyway you know to reevaluate what we did pre-covid mm -hmm. uh, and ask ourselves is what is um, what we were doing was it was, the, was it the best was it the most productive and then also I think covid and the circumstances has uh, caused us even personally, to reevaluate our time management, our priorities, our work and play, our family time, our personal time, our spiritual journey and private devotion, et cetera, and uh, make some positive adjustments and, you know, try to find some good out of the whole circumstance. Definitely. You know, I think, uh, I think Chris mentioned that, you know, we've been through pestilences and viruses worldwide before. Even though I didn't pay much attention to them back in 68, 69, I wasn't really old enough to maybe consider the seriousness of it. But we're talking, you know, one million deaths. And before that, uh, um, in the late 50s, almost like two million deaths due to a virus. But I think the difference is in this day, it's pushed by media so, uh, right. so easily. Uh, back in those days, the awareness wasn't there. And then also, I've been amazed at how the scientists and the, you know the government uh, endorsed scientists, the spokespeople, you know, are always saying we don't know how this virus is working, we don't know how it behaves, and so we're still trying to figure it out scientifically and so forth. Yeah. But at the same time, they're trying to figure that out. It seems like uh, there's been some over government imposing restrictions and setting standards and that's hard to imagine how you can do that when you haven't figured out how it's going to behave right no and it's that's definitely so true it, it's, it's caused a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of right. uh, theories and uh, i just pray that we can get through it i pray for all those people that are suffering and have suffered physically emotionally financially and um, you know as a people just around the world we just need to you know, do the best to support each other through it. Definitely. And, and I, I love what you said there about trying to find a way to en encourage everybody through this. Um, I, you know, one of the, the points and the main reason I really bring this, this deal up with COVID and everything is what, what can we tell people, uh, you know, as, as pastors on here, like what, what are you guys encouraging your congregations and people in general around the country or whatever what, what are you telling them and trying to give them hope with saying, you know, uh, through this COVID thing, yes, it is emotionally draining and there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of death and a lot of things going on. You know, what, what is your message to, to the church and the people out there? Well, I would say 
you know, first of all, tagging on to, to what was said just a moment ago that, you know, the, the information from the government, whatever, a friend of mine posted on my Facebook post the other day and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to trust the scientists on this one. And my response to that was, yeah, but which scientists, that's the problem is there's so much confusion that you don't know, you don't know who to trust. And the danger with that is we become, we become cynical and skeptical of everybody, of every piece of information that comes out. So our message to the church is very simple. We're going to be bold, but not reckless. We're going to be careful, but not fearful. And ultimately, you know, we're going to, we're going to, just like every day in life, we take risks. The moment you step outside your door, there's risks involved. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to do what we can to be considerate and compassionate. We had four components as a church that we tried to focus on. The first one was connection. We, we know that people need to maintain connection. We need to maintain edification. So, you know, our gatherings may need to make sure that everything we're doing is, is edifying people. We need to live, uh, live out compassion. So we need to find ways to show compassion to people around us. And we need to live on mission. And so our message is let's stay focused on those four things, which are the responsibility of believers, whether there's a pandemic or not. Those are the things that we should be doing anyway. We have to get creative with it. We have to be, you know, really, really put some thought into how we're going to do that, be intentional. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've really kind of focused on is the importance of, of not being overwhelmed by fear and anxiety and but putting our trust in God through all of this and as, a, as offering to, to people that maybe don't have that same hope, showing them this is what happens when you have the hope of Jesus in your life. Doesn't matter what you're dealing with or what, what's going on, whatever the pandemic is, the doctor's diagnosis, whatever, you know, whatever you might be dealing with, there is hope. And I think that's, I think that's an important part of what's going on. And the, the other thing too, is we've tried to encourage our people like, look, man, don't, don't be, don't be the ones pouring gasoline on the fire in our world. Right, right. Don't don't get sucked into, you know, all the craziness and the madness and the anger and whatever. Um, part of the reason I did my post on Facebook the other day is because I wanted to facilitate a, a rational conversation without people going stupid, if I can say it that way. You know, just like we can't, you, you can't hardly have a conversation with anybody without, you know, just people going crazy and going bonkers. And if we're going to be, I mean, if we're going to be successful in this society, you got to be able to have, you know, this whole cancel culture. Man, we can talk about all kinds of topics, right? right? Oh, 100%. The whole cancel culture, if you don't say something that agrees. You know, when when did we decide that Zuckerberg and Twitter are the guys that get to determine what's false information and what's right. accurate information? I'm not trusting those jokers over stuff like that. <laughs> yes. We got to be able to we got to be able to voice our opinions but do it in a way that fosters you know, con real conversation and come on, let's be grown ups about stuff, man. Let's have, let's have real conversations and Definitely. not hate each other and all that good stuff. Well, so and I, fired up. No, for sure. And I, I, one of my biggest points through all of this is I felt like I, you know, I want people to be productive, even when it, when it comes to social justice and all the things going on and all these different arenas, I just want people to be productive. So if let's say we're talking about hydroxychloroquine, you know, if it works, Let's look at the benefits and, and do that kind of stuff. And if there's other things and medications that will help on top or this, like let's do the best we can to 
uh, you know, help and, and do the things that we can. And like you, I love what you said about not, you know, pour gasoline on fire because that, that is very important because it doesn't get anything done. So uh, anyways, Papa, what, what is your message to your church and, and, and your congregation there? Well, I'll tell you this right off the bat, and I don't mind admitting this. I think I think we failed in, in, in our particular setting because we keep saying we're going to assess this week by week, and we just keep hoping it's going to get a better situation week by week. And, and it, you know, it does for a while, and then it doesn't for a while. And so, um, you know, what I'm about to say is I think we've generally failed at it, even though in theory this is what we wanted to do. Hmm. And that was to encourage people, you know, and say, we'll get through this and encourage the, the members of the church to connect and encourage with other people, not just other members of the church, but other people in their community or their work, uh, uh, people they work with and so forth, and do some personal evangelism that they've not done in the past. Now, I'm not sure it's happening as well as it could or should. Uh, so our determination, or at least my determination, our leadership determination is, is that when we resume or, or not, uh, that we're going to institute more training, more motivational things into using uh, personal evangelism, small group evangelism, other systems that we can incorporate, because this seems like it's going to go on. Um, yeah, for sure. Or reoccur. So we want to be Instead of just pushing the pause button, we want to go forward with something that can be productive and can maybe change the culture of um, many of us that uh, have relied on the traditional church settings. Definitely. So that's where we're at. We're trying to encourage people to, to uh, be um, inquisitive and search out ways and be personal on the streets. Uh, because people do want to talk right now and share their opinion. As Chris stated, everybody's got an opinion right on the tip of their tongue. Right. So you can engage people in the conversation and then, you know, hopefully get that turned over to giving them hope in Jesus. Definitely. I, I love that, though, all those perspectives. Um, Reese, you know, what, what has been maybe something that you have tried to, uh, you know, help encourage your friends with or, or just people in your circle? You know, what, what have you guys been talking about and what's, what's your encouragement in that group? I think what you said about being productive was a really big part, you know, being forced, you know, our live stream system before this whole COVID deal wasn't uh, top tier. So we had to kind of uh, push that forward on the agenda. Um, you know, we had plans to, to get it done, but we had to push it forward so that, you know, everyone could watch a consistent, uh, watchable live stream. And through that whole process, and it's not even, we're still going through it, but that this whole process has taught me so much about, you know, I mean, I've learned multiple things about like Photoshop. I, I edited two full services, like pre-recorded services um, that included like two or three music videos each. And it like, it taught me so much of just behind the scenes stuff. Um, and not even just that perspective. One thing I've really learned through it all, um, is human relationship that personal connection it, it trumps everything and you know you can't you can't replace it so you know as much as our live stream system you know i mean we had no other option that was you know we had to do that but there's just something about gathering with the church that's different 
there's something about, you know, gathering with friends that just beats a Zoom call. You know, there's just something about that human relationship that, you know, I, maybe I just didn't realize it before, or maybe it was just magnified in my perspective, but like, there is just nothing that, that reaches that level of human connection. So that's, that's been the big thing for me is the productivity and the human connection aspects. So. Sure. My man I, just went to preaching. Boom. Yes, he did. I, I, I love that perspective. I, I think it's it's fantastic to uh, – and this is – honestly, I, I'm super glad you guys came on this podcast because this is this is the type of stuff that I wanted to dig into and just get your personal opinion on and your perspective of these certain situations because I know people out there are thinking about this stuff and talking about this stuff and trying to be productive and, and doing all those things. Um, so we're going to kind of veer the conversation now because, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about COVID, but I really appreciate you guys giving your opinion on that. Um, I want to jump over to um, uh, Pawpaw uh, and your involvement in the starting up of Lifeline. Um, can you give us a little backstory on uh, Lifeline Connect um, and how the vision for it and where you guys are now? Okay, well, in a nutshell, as pastors, you know, every pastor in the world deals with people who have become addicted to uh, either drugs or alcohol or other destructive behaviors. And so, uh, you know, we did that throughout our ministry. But in 2006, uh, we founded what we call a safe place. So a residential recovery center for men to come where we could uh, give them a safe environment and deal with and them uh, train them to deal with the core issues of their heart and why they use why they medicate in the first place and so it's a whole life treatment uh, emotional physical mentally um, spiritual and we're helping men and their families uh, overcome addiction find their purpose by discovering god's um, purpose in their life and we've been doing that since 2006. We have a 24 resident dorm here, brand new, uh, last year. And so the interesting thing about uh, Lifeline Connect is, is the long-term uh, effects that it has on the men and their families. It's, it's, um, it's happens a few times already uh, where men get reunited with their families and children and their wives. And there's a total restoration of the whole family. And that's what's beautiful. Uh, we give all the credit and glory to God for the success stories, which there are many. Um, we don't take the credit at all. Um, and, you know, as in every other ministry, not everyone is success. We have men that relapse. We have men that relapse and overdose and died. And it's sad. And it's um, been kind of overlooked in the last several months in our nation. Uh, but, you know, the drug use and uh, overdose deaths by drug use and alcohol Definitely. is still increasing. Yes. And, and you know, I, I know that um, I, and I love that. It's so awesome. Um, and I just want to ask a few more questions here about that. You know, I think on that perspective, I, as bad as COVID is and as bad as some of these things that are going on right now, uh, I, I wish people would start talking about um, other issues. Uh, that are going on that are really affecting the community in far greater numbers than COVID has ever touched. Um, how many people have come through your program? You know, I, I didn't look up an exact exact count, but over the years, uh, a, little, a little over 100. And uh, you need to understand that doesn't sound like a large number, but it's a one-year program. 
and even some of the men uh, stay longer than a one year in the program. There's different phases, different uh, looks of it. Um, so it's a one year program, so you don't have a lot of revolving door here as much as in some other sector we have that are 30, 60, 90 days. Yeah. Gotcha. And how, if, if someone were to listen to this podcast, how can they, how can they get in contact or even help and donate uh, to, to support Lifeline? Um, how could, how could they get involved with that? Uh, well, you know, there's uh, Lifeline um, hyphen connect Facebook, I believe it is. And uh, then there's Lifeline connect.org website. Uh, and, you know, there's all kinds of testimonies and resources on, on those venues. And then simply by calling, and starting a, a phone interview process. That's the way the interview process starts. And um, we get those calls. Guys, we get those calls almost on a daily basis from somewhere. Uh, moms, wives, fathers, the, 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 uh, the pers- prospect themselves. And it's, it's really, it's really, it really grabs you. It, it deals with you uh, emotionally and spiritually to hear these people talk about the, the war they're in, the battle they're in, and they want out. And, uh, you know, the ones that are willing to, to step out and step away and come and get, get into the program, they're courageous men because they made a good decision that they want to make an investment in the rest of their lives. So it's just a matter of starting a phone interview process. And, uh, you know, there's only a $500 intake fee to get in the program. And the Lord has wonderfully made a way financially through the years from our community and from partners and churches um, uh, that support us financially. It's, it's just been a God thing. Definitely. Um, go check that out, lifelineconnect.org uh, there and, and Lifeline uh, Connect or hyphen connect is that did I say that correctly on Facebook um and and just you know go support that and help that out because it is an awesome thing um and I you know I just think it's it's so cool uh, as a perspective from you know kind of growing up in that church um to see the change that happened in, in people's lives and the men and, and the reuniting with their families um it is an amazing an amazing thing um dad if I know you um used to uh be an assistant pastor back in Champaign-Urbana here with Pawpaw, um, mm-hmm. you know, can you give maybe a little bit of your perspective on Life on Connect and how it impacted you? Oh man, it's a, it's a tremendous ministry. And we know that we know that there's nothing as transformational as the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it is, it is absolutely life-changing, but one of our statements is that you know, if, if the Holy Spirit changed everything about us, then we, there'd be no need for the epistles. And so, you know, you have people that have wrestled with addictions and habits and, um, you know, all the, all of the things that have brought pain and hurt and destruction in their lives. And so a, a ministry like this, you see, you know, what, what God does through the combination of the working of his spirit together with intentional focus on how to begin to change the the way of thinking first and foremost the way of believing um changing those things which really really i mean i i i use a lot of 
you know, the, the Genesis concepts and principles, the Genesis program that they use. I use a lot of that in discipleship and counseling because really, you know, all behavior is driven off of belief. You behave the way you believe. And so, um, you know, watching the transformation that happens through the combination of the power of his spirit and the transformation of belief system is, man, it's, it's amazing. Certainly here's the thing that I think, and, and, you know, I, I don't know that I'm the expert on this, but you can, I think you could pull just about anybody and, and drug addiction touches just about every single person on the planet. Everybody has somebody that they're connected to that has wrestled with addictions, with drug addiction, alcoholism, my stepfather was an alcoholic. And uh, so, you know, firsthand experience with that, I, I get it. I totally understand it. And so it is, a, it is something in our society that we definitely need to deal with. We need more programs like this, you know. So I, I, it's, we're, we're supportive of it, 100% believe in it. And it is absolutely a worthwhile ministry and endeavor. Definitely. Uh, I think that's an awesome perspective. Um, and Paul, Paul, I forgot to mention something I was going to ask, because um, you guys have gotten tremendous support from your community uh, and, and officers and different things. Can you tell us a little bit about the support from your community and the church? Well, sure. Um, you know, there's always been people, um, as Chris mentioned, uh, that had uh, connections with some of the men that came to the program and became supporters. Uh, but a few years ago, we had a dream of building a new facility, 24-man dorm. And it was amazing how the community came together and some particular contractors and builders who we really weren't that well acquainted with stepped up and became project manager managers and donated uh, material and labor. And so that dorm was built debt-free within last year. And it was built debt-free from oh, contractors and individuals. So it was an amazing uh, community effort, which we're, we're very grateful for. Definitely. That, that is fantastic. I, I think that's always important, too. Obviously, there's, there's a God aspect of all this, but there's also community can get in and, and help and support with money and different things like that. So please go donate, go donate and help out Lifeline Connect. Uh, look it up online here. Um, so awesome. I appreciate you talking about that and um, just kind of wanted to give a perspective of, of, of uh, how you were involved in that and different things. Um, the next topic I want to talk about, and this is, this is going to be a fun topic, and it Let's is going to be about our love for the Chicago Cubs. Okay, go. folks. Go, Cubs, go. Go, go, go Cubs, go. Hey, I'm Chicago, what do you say? Cubs going to win today, baby. That's right. So I love that. I want, I, I, Not I'm today. so fired. They're not going to win today. Because <laughs> Cardinals, Cardinals got the, they got the Rona, so they're not going to be. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we're not playing the Cardinals this weekend because of COVID delays, but, um, what let's talk about this let's how, talk dad, about it baby dad how long have you been a cub fan 127 years <laughs> right <laughs> when you when you add up my grandfather died at 95 years old never saw cubs win a world series i really had this is a true story emotional moment when the cubs won which by the way if, if people want a good laugh if they want like <laughs> you know some excitement Yes. Go watch our video of the fa our family reaction when the Cubs won the World Series. It is yes. absolutely – I acted like an ever-loving fool and not one even the, shaved of it one bit. 
one of the greatest reactions in sports history of all time. So it, I don't was, know how it was that, fantastic. I, I don't know how that didn't go viral. I mean, I, I should have gone viral. I saw some of the other, like, viral reactions, you know, of other Cubs fans, and it was nothing compared to what we had going on. That's what I'm saying, man. We were, we were, we were right there. We should have gone viral. We but need man, to send so it. We need it's to send a Dillingham it to you. thing, bro. It's a Dillingham thing. We are we are diehard. And you know what? Here's the deal. This is what it shows. Anybody can be a Yankee fan. Bunch of yeah. bandwagon. <laughs> you know, they've won or 100 Astros World fans, Series. Right? <laughs> no, that's that's cheaters. That's a whole different ball game. We will, <laughs> we will get on game. that. They lost all the bandwagoners. <laughs> right? They did. They did. They're, they're only uh, supported by the people that bang trash cans. But anyway... <laughs> Anybody can be a Yankee fan. It takes real determination, real perseverance to be a Cub fan. But the payoff, man, to go 108 years, win it 2016. And, and here's what we know, right? The bottom line is this. They're winning this year. That's all there Absolutely. is to it, man. They, There's they no are. doubt about it. No doubt about it. So They definitely are. It is. Can I just add this real quick? There is nothing more beautiful then watching, you know, of course, I don't want to make light of the Rona situation with the Cardinals. And that's, you know, I'm kind of joking about that. But it's a beautiful thing to watch the Cardinals stink. Yes. I hate the Cardinals. Man. Yes. They haven't played, they well, haven't played and, that many games, but they still stink. They still it's stink. The, it's and the I, equivalent of like being 40 games under 500 right now. That's right. how terrible they are. <laughs> For sure. Um, and I, I, you grew up and not so far from St. Louis. Can you tell a little bit, you know, your family dynamic, obviously your grandpa and, and beyond that and your dad and everything, you know, how were how you not influenced? Because I know a ton of people down from where you're from in Southern Illinois, uh, there are a ton of Cardinal fans down there. Yeah, absolutely, man. I was there, – there were some Cub fans, but it is a diehard Cardinal area. And uh, But my grandfather, when he was a young man, um, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember the player that got traded from the Cardinals to the Cubs when he was young, and he said, I'll never, I'll never root for them. And so it was ingrained in us that you – if you're if you're going to be a Dillingham, you cannot be a Cardinal fan. And so, hundred percent. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. You know, I I watch these I watch these redneck Cardinal fans. I'm going to try to stir it up as bad <laughs> as I can. You know, these redneck. They don't know nothing about baseball. They're just you know just a bunch of bandwagon wagoners. They go to the pro bowling pro uh, professional bowling hall of fame. That's their you know that's their excitement. <laughs> And I'm not going to root for a team. I'm from Illinois, for crying out loud. I'm not right. rooting for a team from Missouri. Why would I root for a team from stinking Missouri? I'm rooting for my, my Cubs, my Illinois, Chicago, Illinois Cubs. So, you know, it, uh, it, it didn't influence me. I, I just knew that they're, they're one of the great memes, one of the great signs that I saw. There's a guy, he's clearly kind of redneckish. And he was holding up a sign, and, and he has a cardinal, I think a cardinal shirt on, maybe a cardinal hat, and it says, get a brains. And it meant to say moron, but instead he spelled it M-O-R-A-N, get a brain, moran. That, to me, sums <laughs> up cardinal fans right there. Right there. Yeah, there it is. Um, and I will say, as my personal experience, and Reese, you know, we know this, I, as young as I can remember, that dad instilled in us uh, to be loyal to the team and the state that you're from, whether you're losing terribly which a lot of Cub fans can attest to. I'm, I'm kind of young. I'm 23. I know growing up, man, I, I'm, it always bothered me just being like, man, why can't we win just one World Series, for goodness sakes? And then we finally did it. So anybody can do it if you persevere. But, Reese, how, how was it instilled in you 
you know, to, to really just be that Cub fan. And hey, Reese, hey, Reese, talk about the parade, man. Yeah. Well, remember, that, remember that parade that Rhett bailed on us on? Remember I that do. One? Well, well let me get there. I knew so that was there. coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> so the defining moment for me, you know, I've always been a diehard Cub fan, but the defining moment for me was when Rhett was about 12, I think. He liked oh, yeah. this girl that was from the Southern Illinois area. And word got around that he had told her that he liked the Cardinals. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I just remember Dad, One of the most young, disappointing days of my young life. Young immaturity, you know, just going through life. And you know what it is. luckily he turned his life around. He was delivered from that. But I just, Jesus. I just remember Dad being like almost in tears just distraught yes. over that whole situation yeah. yes. so then I, I, that was the scary. defining moment that was the defining moment for me so then fast forward we win the world series and Woo. dad dad had always always said when we win the world series we're going to the parade we are going to, we're going to the party so we go and uh you know ashland i think was a little young to go um she was what 12 yeah she'd have been 11 11 probably yeah and it almost was, 12 we knew it was going to be a little rowdy so um but Rhett decided to uh take a weekend trip up to see to see a girl so that he i mean that bailed was on you know he did. you know and here's and here's the here's the amazing thing is that you live and you learn and you know you you just have mistakes and different and here's what the, the crux of the whole thing was i really believed that we were going to win more world series so you know i i, I didn't go that weekend but i i appreciate you calling me out here i, I really really appreciate that it really <laughs> five means oh, a time. Just... and i would just like to say and clarify oh. that i am a i am a long life cub fan and i will be till i die yeah we, we oh, know thank, we know thank thank god for that five million cub fans it was absolutely bananas it was crazy yes we, there and, were people uh, swinging from the the light poles uh like the street lights they were climbing statues i mean it was yes for it sure it was nuts well Popo hasn't said much and i and i was kind of hoping it would kind of be like this because I, I wanted to talk about and obviously i had my ups and downs because being in the drought of the cubs and and the cubs not winning as all cub fans know it, it can be frustrating but if you persevere long enough you will stuff will come to fruition so Popo, can you tell us a little bit about you know i don't really want to like you know call you out or anything they're calling me out but was it true that you maybe were previously a, a cardinal fan Okay, what? let me clarify. Let me let me clarify. Whoa, whoa what? Right. So listen, when I was uh, little league age, um, or maybe a little younger, I was we lived in the St. Louis area. We lived in Illinois, but St. Louis area. So yeah, I did wear the colors, and I was a Cards fan for a while. I do have some uh, a Stan usual little memorabilia statue. Yeah, I still have it. But uh, you know, my life is defined by two conversions, I guess. The yeah. greatest one, of course, was um, at the age of 23, I became a Christian. That was my turning point and change in life. But the other conversion I had was becoming a Cub fan in 2015. Now, yeah. Uh, yeah. so I've been on five years. Um, you jumped on right I, on time. You jumped in at the 
right time, man. <laughs> I felt it coming. And so I memorized the roster, guys. I don't know if you remember this. I memorized yeah. the roster that, yes. that year. I walked into your house. I quoted everybody, starting lineup, <laughs> all that. And I said, I said it really loud and with a lot of hope. I said, this is the year. And, that's, and I yes. never forget Reese looking at me in all seriousness to say, no, Papa, next year. <laughs> you got to say it right. <laughs> I did. But uh, you know what? He ended up being like a true cup fan. Time. Listen, if you say every year for 108 years, it's bound to happen at some point. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, well, I, know, think, I think we just, what you just proved is once you have – the true conversion, the conversion to being a Cub fan has to follow at some point. Okay, yeah. So it took a while, but I got there. Eventually, you know, some, some okay. of us are a little more hard-headed, but you, well, you came I, around. That's all that matters. I would just like to say I feel like the majority of other types of fan bases are just not as nice. Let's be real about it. They're not as nice. <laughs> are we being, is, is that true? Cardinal fans can be some of the most obnoxious people on the planet. Right, right under, right underneath Ohio State fans. <laughs> For sure. For Man. sure. And this, this is a good transition here um, to, to also talk about, because, you know, Illinois sports, uh, it is awesome. <laughs> I, I am, Speaking I am, of stinking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, shout out to the Illinois golf team. What's that? Uh, the only, anyways. Um, no, Girls but. volleyball he, is really good. Right, right. But you know, men's li gymnastics. Living in Illinois, yes. um, there are some hard times, and sports can be rough. And um, obviously, not only that, we grew up around the University of Illinois, um, and, and we are also lifetime until we die fighting Illini fans. Um, yes. So, so let's talk about the fighting Illini also. Well, let's Let start. Just... Oh, Go ahead, are you going? Please. All right, Go let's ahead. just let's start off with this past year. I think the most disappointing day of my life oh. was March 12th. Oh, man. March 12th, 2020. Yes. Because that was the day that Rudy Gobert tested positive and the NCAA announced uh, – NBA and NCAA both announced that they were postponing the season, and a few days later they canceled it. Um, I actually bought a shirt that said March Sadness. 2020. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, instead of March Madness, but I firmly believe that Illinois would have won the the national championship this year. They definitely, they definitely had a shot, you know. And again, here's the thing: we've suffered for many, many years. We moved to Toledo. We had a bunch of people say, "Man, you need to be a a Buckeye fan, or you need to be a Michigan fan." I'm gonna tell you right now, I'd rather have my toenails peeled off than to be a Buckeye or a Wolverine fan. Absolutely not. There, There is not a chance. There is not a chance in the world that I would ever do that. I am, I'm loyal. I'm faithful. I'm true. And what happens is when you're loyal and you're faithful, it gets paid off. We got, we got, in my opinion, one of the top five coaches in college basketball in as as some would call him coach <laughs> underdog coach underwood coach underdog. and coach underdog and we have you know maybe not one of the top five coaches in college football but lovey i love he's doing some good things so you know i don't know that we'll 
here's the bottom line. The issue is what's quite quite clear to me is the problem is our football program. We don't pay our players as much as Alabama and Ohio State. So that's why <laughs> well, we're not I think winning. that's the key. That's the key, and, and that's it's a thing that we're missing, and we have to implement that. But you we, know, we I, need to pay. I it bothers me um, when you know I, we ended up. Uh, I think we beat Michigan State or, or something like that. It was kind of a fluke out of the whole year. It was pretty awesome. But the statement from our coach, out of all the things this guy could have said, this man gets up there and he gets going and he interviews and he says, how about that band? How about guys, that band? <laughs> guys, we got I heard that live. Band. I heard that live. They said, coach. They said, Coach, what do you, how do you explain this uh, comeback victory and all this stuff? He said, how about that band? <laughs> if that doesn't inspire you to go out onto the battlefield, nothing will. Oh, man, I, I just, you know, I, I, I just, I think that's the, that's the, that's the answer. We got to start paying our players. That's, that's the answer. Okay. Let, let me chime in on Illini sports. You know, I lived in Urbana. I lived so close to Memorial Stadium, I could hear it on some game days. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is I could hear the Iowa fans on some games. <laughs> hey, Papa, Papa called me. Uh, it was about a week or two ago, and he said, you know, they just announced that, you know, social distancing and everything, if the football season happens this year, Memorial Stadium, where Illinois plays, will allow 20,000 fans. And he said, Reese, we haven't had 20,000 fans at Memorial Stadium in about 15 years. <laughs> That'd be an increase of about 5,000, wouldn't it? Right? Yeah. Well, listen, here's the deal, guys. Let's just state facts. Here's the facts. Division One basketball, Illinois still ranked 14th in all-time wins. Now, let's talk about it. Right. Preach. Yeah, we've had wait. some down years, but we've won almost 2,000 games over the, over the years, so we're ranked 14. My, my, my. I'm just Real saying. Real quick, can we honor the great, late, great Illinois coach, Lou Henson, the all-time winningest yeah. basketball coach? Give him a hand clap. God rest his right. soul. Right. Moment of silence. If they don't win it this year for him, I don't know. I, they have yeah, to. Yeah, by the way, there's uh, – there's an 18-page uh, tribute to him in the News Gazette, if you guys want to catch that online. Nice. Definitely. Got to love gotta love my man, Lou. And, you know, I you think know, he was I, a – Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, he was a, he was a, uh, a well-respected uh, person in the community here. You know, he maintained a home here in Urbana as well as in uh, New Mexico. But um, he was just a friendly community guy. I mean – I listened to so many of the call-ins from people, and Lou Henson would show respect and kindness to just anybody he met. He's a great guy. Definitely. Definitely a legendary man. Um, and I, you know, I think talking about this in Illinois sports and different things, it really just shows loyalty and, and how uh, you, know, you, could, you could just stick with the team through the ups and the downs, and you just don't, you know, you're loyal enough to not be a bandwagoner. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom line, man. Hey, listen, I grew up, my, my, my high school team was the Centralia Orphans. So oh, there you go. Odds, odds were stacked against us from the get go, man. We were the dead gum orphans. I'm but, offended by that. 
winning high school <laughs> team in the country, baby. That's what I'm talking about. See, you just gotta you just gotta have that determination. It's it's paid off for me in life. So, you know, these these fans that are bandwagon, come on now. You know? I think the Orphans is better than either the Fighting Squirrels or what was the other one that they just uh, – the bird. They were King gonna... Fisher. Yes. Kingfisher. I think the Orphans is better than the Kingfisher. I'm with you, man. Hey, Orphans is legit. That's a, that's a legit mascot name, I'm telling you. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on this podcast. I, this is some great conversation here. I'm, I'm really uh, appreciative and to get your guys' insight on all this stuff. Uh, is there anything you guys want to send anybody off with, just some encouragement for the future or anything um, looking forward? Well, I would just say if this isn't the top-rated podcast, something's wrong with the algorithm. Because 100%. This, <laughs> this has got so much, so much content. So much and, gold uh, content right motivation gold content so uh yeah man appreciate you having us on it's good to connect with the fam i think i think we need to do this again people that here's the bottom line is people need to hear what this group has to say that's the bottom absolutely. line absolutely absolutely we've been absolutely. silenced for too long <laughs> <laughs> well i just want to say you? go ahead papa well i'm just saying uh you know this has been um almost like a censored version of our discussions. Obviously we're being, <laughs> listen, we're being very, we're being very uh, politically correct here and being so nice and, and cordial. Um, so, you know, this is like a censored version. I'm, I'm looking forward to when we're unleashed and have a little more liberty. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm sure it'll come. You know, we want, we want the raw, we want it all. So bring it, bring it. We need to have a whole episode just trashing the Cardinals. That would be awesome. That would, that would be a great episode. You let me know, and I'm there. Great episode. So, awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on here. Thank you guys so much. Uh, again, thank you for your perspectives, and um, just glad to have you guys on here. So, thanks. Thanks right. out. Thank you. Peace out. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Red Dillingham Podcast Show. We really appreciate your support. Please share this podcast and be ready for the next episode coming soon.